Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to episode nine, uh, Black Factivism. Uh, we took our, we're coming off our summer break. Um, my name is Corey McCarthy. I'm back here with, um, to our knowledge, the only AP chemistry teacher in the United States. Um, uh, <laughs> Mr. Farrah Douglas, um, Cortland Farrah Douglas. Um, it's good to be back. You know, he and I had some great conversations. We think we're coming off a big summer of, of a lot of winning for kids. Um, the thing is, the, the theme is just really how do we continue some of the winning? So how you doing, man? I'm doing good. You know, it's kind of it's kind of weird because, you know, you feel like you're getting kind of pulled in a lot of directions. You know, there's a lot of transitions. Just, you know, I told you guys last or if you've been listening to the previous episodes, but you know, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of bittersweet in the sense that, you know, I'm, I'm working with a bunch of students and you're transitioning from, from one school to the other, but yet, you know, still heavily like involved in, 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 in the school that you're leaving. Um, because, you know, uh, just literally putting together a lot of programs and, a lot of that, I can tell you right now, I'm not, I'm not going to have an ulcer about it, but like a lot of consternation about the future of these programs and looking at some of the students who can get a lot out of it and going, like, I hope, I hope that we can come to a, a, a way to, to, to kind of support these kids. Um, just not just in terms of the amount of programming, but also in terms of the mindset because, you know, I'm, 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 I'm running this program. There's a couple of other programs that I also have, you know, that I'm also involved with. So, I, you know, like I said, I'm getting pulled in a lot of ways. Like literally this program is ended on Friday. I'm supposed to have new teacher orientation on tomorrow and Friday. And I just told them like, we're not going to be able to make it because I, you know, I, I, I do one program. Talk to me, talk to me about this program though. Talk to the audience about this program, this unique program. Oh, um, you know, one, I hope, uh, I hope whoever runs this po podcast will eventually also, uh, we got the students to sign, <laughs> sign their release papers. I hope that they let other people see the amazing things that they're, that they're putting together. So through the Timothy Smith network, um, they have a Boston Design Academy, which is a really amazing engineering uh, program that they have. It started uh, uh, through funding from Mayor Menino. Shout out to Alessandra and Milton Urban, man. Yeah. Nona, him. Nona. Tell them what's up. I, I just uh, actually uh, met up with, with Milton today. Actually, they're coming in to check um, our projects out. So uh, it's really interesting. So it's an engineering pro uh, a program. And what they do in the engineering program is they hope to expose, right, different types, different communities into a program that can give them an introduction into engineering. And, you know, one of the cool things about the program is the fact that, you know, it's so ingenious in the sense that engineering is every place in our life. And they do a good job of highlighting that importance. And so basically they have uh, two portions of the program. They have one um, section of the program that runs in the summer. That's the one that I'm running right now. 
there's one in the fall that I hope whoever runs this podcast will also try to get that going in the fall. Um, but they base it around not just engineering and have it be this nebulous engineering idea. They attach it to a real life application. And so, for instance, um, this particular um, section for the summer is called the EAT program or Elevating Agriculture Technology. And so it's a really cool thing where students are given hands-on opportunities to garden, which is something, forget about the engineering just for a second, just how dope it is just to think about gardening. There was um, a video that we were watching in, in, in our section who said that, you know, most of the people living today, they don't even think about gardening as a part of their life, right? Um, we looked at the, that at, at the um, stats, I showed them the history of gardening in America. And it used to be that over 75% of uh, citizens had some instance of gardening in their life prior to the 1900s. Now that number is less than 5% of individuals who were involved in gardening. And similarly, to photography, which hopefully the person running this podcast could maybe put a photography program together. I'm just putting that out there. Um, uh, (laughs) (laughs) But what I'm saying is that if you do not have it in your life prior to becoming an adult, you will not have it afterwards. And I would tell anyone, it's not about really you as an adult, because that's its own thing you can learn as an adult. It's about your children and about your family, right? You can't grow Cheetos, right? But if a person grows some type of crop, some type of vegetation, fruit or vegetable, they will eat a fruit or vegetable. That's the cool thing about it. That's the cool thing. And then not only do you take it and say, hey, we're gonna teach you and expose you to gardening, Let's also take it and throw some engineering on top of it, right? So students are learning to code, um, HTML, right? JavaScript, Python, CSS, right? We spent weeks giving students an introduction to a system that they may never have had an opportunity to to get in, in, in touch with. And then not only that, we go like, hey, not only can we teach you about software, we're gonna give you these Arduino kits, but they can keep, right? They totally keep them at home. And now what we're doing is we're teaching them about circuits, teaching them about night, about, about, about light structures, teaching them about traffic lights and how those are programmed, right? I think about a student who's in our program who she's very much um, into you know, disability uh, rights, and you know, fast forward her life like ten years. I can't wait till she till she's doing some real big stuff. But you know, we has a big heart, man. Big heart, truly. Um, and this particular person, we made um, this really cool stick for blind individuals. It had a sensor on the outside, and you, um, it made it so that if the person was blind and they had a stick, it would they would beep and let them know if they got close to something, right? Say that again, brother. So we created a smart stick for the blind. And on the end of it had a distance meter with a 
um, sound device where if a person who's blind, right, if you've ever seen someone walking with a stick, if they put that stick next to a physical object, to a person, to a building, to a side of a road, it would beep at them to let them know that there's something in front of them. And for someone who cares about disabilities, that can change someone. Small things, right? It literally took not even that much money. It took us $50 to create, $50 for the whole kit. If you just wanted to just piecemeal it out and just get the materials, probably take you like $15, $15 to create a, 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 a device that can impact blind individuals. And let me stop you, let me stop you right there. Urban students, I hate the term urban, but city students, Anytime I hear city students creating, it's it's phenomenal to me. It's, and, and it's energizing. It's 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 the it's the steroids I need. It's the healthy steroids for me. Right. And you know what the big thing is? Is you know, like I said, we're doing Arduino kits. We have these Sphero cars, which are really really hot. And the Spheros are basically these. Um, these cars, these remote control cars that students can program with their Arduino kits, that they're able to um, program to go through an obstacle course, right? We were talking to them about, hey, this is the same way that you could potentially have a car drive itself, right? We also did some Fusion 360 AutoCAD program. So AutoCAD, for those people who don't know, is how you design a blueprint. If you've ever seen 3D printing before, being able to take students and expose them to 3D structures. And the one thing that I wish somebody should make this a Shark Tank idea is get me a place where I can give a student, my students create something 3D printed. I go to that place and they print it for me. <laughs> That's what I wish we did that because I can't tell you the amount of things that students were making using this AutoCAD program. Timothy Smith Network, the idea was originated on this show, but my, my, my dude right here will take a nice little stipend. I'm just, I'm sorry to kick it off for y'all. Y'all can, can run with it, right? But you know. I'm just going to tell you, get rid you know, Kinko's, I'm just going to, you know, side note right now, every time I watch, I always go like, man, somebody, you know how you go to Staples, you go to Kinko's and you make, um, you know, you make uh, copies, pieces of paper. I think it'd be super dope if there was a place where all they had 3D printing machines and you just take them the blueprint and you just literally just have a 3D print the thing that you wanted to, to have it print um somebody make that a multi-million dollar idea i really think that'll fly off i'm just telling you somebody should make that happen um you know start with the with the garage or whatever i don't know anybody who's in that space <laughs> oh so, i'm just telling you that to me is like multi i wish i had the infrastructure to, to put, make it pop off i would we would start so what, what is that what is that before we get into to, to, to the programs that i that i've been a part of and i'm I played a small role in your program and I, I applaud you for how you was able to, to really take off with this program, brother. Um, it's real. And I, I see the kids, I see the engagement and I see the, um, I, uh, but more importantly though, I really see how happy the kids are when people want to see their work, when people come to see their work. Right. What? Like, 
I told somebody the other day, this is just no, you're not, I'm not here for any deficit talk for 21, 22. I'm just not here for it. You're not going to get that. So you're not going to get any can't do's from me. You're not going to get any, this person's not acting right from me. You're not going to get that. You're not. You're not getting that behavioral nonsense. You're not going to get all the things a student can't do, and you're definitely not getting the um, the the, um, the, the deficit-based talk. You are getting straight asset-based conversations for me, actions, responses, the whole nine, right? And I think we have to really evaluate everything we do with kids so that we can help them understand that their, the, the direction that we are riding in, we are riding in that direction as the passenger. And I think what's unique and great about your program and the program you've championed and the program we're very happy about in, in our district is that the kids are in the driver's seat, man. I could tell. And you're just a really good passenger giving them the money for the toll booth. So you know, you're, you're, you might be paying for the food, right? And drive through the window, but, or you just drove the first 12 hours and the next 24, it's all different. It's from the kids. Well, so if, if, if I, if any of the teachers or faculty are listening to me, like, I can't tell you how much my, pedagogy, how much my teaching experience, how much the student experience changed when I began to simply go, you know what I'm going to do? I care about the learning targets, right? That's why, I got, you know, they gave me colleagues to, to figure out if I'm, you know, falling in line with what they're doing. But that's the only check that I ever think about. I go over to one of my teachers, what are you doing? As long as I'm, you know, someplace lock and step with what you're doing, then we're doing fine. How do I gauge how I'm doing is what? My students experience and the positive feeling that they get. Are they motivated? Are they feeling positive about their educational self? Like that to me is the thing I always ask myself is, are they coming in always feeling like they have an opportunity to do better than they did before or be able to kind of ma master the thing that I'm putting forth to them? If there's one thing that I enjoy about this particular program, and I think this translates into my teaching style as well, is the fact that you know what I enjoy about them, the community the fact that they help each other out, the fact that when you can say whatever you want about my kids, my kids know who each other is and what they represent. And I ask anybody, I challenge anybody, it, it, literally, we are, if you read the book, Fleischman's book, see folks, literally, this is what is happening at every high school this summer with the BDA program, Timothy Smith's network and the E program. This is, see folks, it's happening. Community of practice, it's a professional learning community. And what is very unique is that all the deficit talk around particular styles of learners 
Those English language learners are in there. The special education students are in there. The high flyers are in there. The middle of the road student is in there. The quote unquote low performing interest, uh, low interest person is in there. It's a mixed bag. You want to know why? Because the beauty, similar to the book, the beauty of things of this whole piece is that kids can go, come and go and take what they need. Right? Yeah. When are we going to focus on what they need? Not what we are supposed to educate them. Because when you take time to build a scaffold and lesson plan around what we want to educate students, we are that's the first step towards the deficit. You know. But when we plan and do the same things for what they would like to learn, and you don't know what they're going to like to learn until you dig in and, and build your cultural competence and build your investment and understand how they're social emotional learners, not the learning, the, how they become those learners, how you bend and how you investigate and yourself and, and, and evaluate your morals, your values, your ethics, and see how they impact those kids so that you then become somebody they want to learn from. Right. And I, I, I think, I think there's, there's two tracks that my, thought, my, my, my mind goes to. And I think, I think the first one has to do with what it really is. And I, I, I made a rule like four or five years ago, which changed a lot. And I, I, I continue to look at every single one of my students and every single one, I literally sat down a piece of paper, Excel sheet, trying to figure out the answer to this question. My job is to, or my title is chemistry teacher. What I need you to do is I need you to put other things on this list of things that that student believes that they can rely on you for, that you can impact their life in some way, some particular way. Does, whatever it is, whether that be social emotional, whether that be some type of development in terms of their maturity and their growth, whether that be fostering interests, right? Or pushing what they need. So many students, I go, you know what? Every single one of them needs me to supply them with something like that. And what kind of really drove the culture of my class and the reason why I think it's so important to bring those aspects into your class is because of the fact that once a student believes in your humanity, they go super far as far as your curriculum because they trust you and they believe in who you are as a person. And that is something that transcends any type of thing, whether you are a high flyer, whether you are someone who has disability, whether you are a person who is an ELL, you know, first of all, shout out to individuals who are supporting the ELLs. You know, I feel like I was talking, uh, I was talking with a group of students, we do interviews in our program. And we had a question uh, about how one of the things that I appreciate about our program is I feel like a lot of programs try to offer things to individuals. But what they really mean is we only want the people who are social security, who have social security. We only want the people 
who are like American grown, there's not as much international acceptance for individuals who speak other languages, for individuals who might have a different experience. And the one thing I appreciate about this program is the fact that there's a lot of individuals who are not only able to get um, into the program, but also able to tap into the resources that are available. And I think that as we start to think about ELL supports, as we start to think about um, disability supports, how many individuals are putting the time and the effort and more importantly, the mindset to be able to consider these students, right? And part of me wonders, you know, I feel like there's a, a, a if, if there was other individuals leading this program, I wonder if those individuals would have been thought about. I think about how, uh, you know, there was one particular student who came in and we, we did this uh, field trip and, you know, she, she was very disappointed at the fact that, uh, you know, because this person is hard of hearing that every place that she went to, she couldn't get the most experience out of the field trip because of the fact they didn't have um, any kind of equipment that allows them to read lips. And I thought about that the entire time, you know, as we continue to go, as we continue going from place to place to place to place to place. And, you know, some people were being enriched and it always was in the back of my mind, the fact that there's a person who's just there, just there, they just there in terms of their environment and how, what I think you need to do and the reason why providing for students not learning target type thing but hey what i'm going to do is i'm going to take a mindset that says my job is to provide for the students what it means is that that specific I, I don't know if every teacher as we go through this process of of, of exposing these students enriching these students to these opportunities i don't know if their mindset was the same way that mine was where every time we stopped, I thought about that student and how there's a student out there who is not getting what I think is equity because they can't access it. And I think that somebody should think about that. You know, that's a great point. As you use the word equity, right? You know, and the funny thing is when they hear that I'm, I'm the chief equity officer, you know, I think in the back of people's mind, they really don't know what that is. And that's their own issue, right? And clearly, it's, it's not my job. It's, it's, I'm not operating in a job where I need to make people feel better about their deficiency, right? But if you think about, if you think about our kids, right? And, we think, and you think about, like, this whole idea of, of equity, right? All we're, all we're really asking people to do is to develop a consciousness of, of everybody else's needs, right? We're not asking for the $10 in your, that you earn, right? We're asking you to understand why that other person next to you couldn't make the same $10, right? And going back to like this talk around deficits and, and you know, and making kids feel like they're just this part of the of a huge solution by understanding um, that particular student with the hearing disability, 
your students developed a consciousness of that. So they don't need that young lady anymore to have to maintain that consciousness. You want to know why? Because everywhere they go, right? They'll, they'll think of that. They'll go on the train and, and she, the young lady's out there. They're like, yo, if she was here, she won't be able to get through. They go to amusement park, she won't be, nah. So the, the beauty of learning, right? I, I believe in edu that when you go in, this, in this, this whole deficit, this deficient talk or mindset or, or approach, you put kids in, in this way, what, um, you put kids literally in, in and I, I heard this in the, from, um, shout out to Dr. Sheldon Atkins, his, his, um, his podcast. It talks about educational debt. You have this debt, right? You just can't escape it because you can't, the speed that they want you to learn things that don't matter to you does not match the speed that you want to learn something else that you really care about. So ultimately what matters, what they want you to learn versus uh, what, they, what folks are teaching you versus what you really want to learn. And the opposite of educational debt is to get our kids to be, and the only way to get them out is to, have, is to have, have them be rich in confidence. Your program is not a coding program, but they learn how to code. Your program probably isn't a math program, but they're learning how to use math, right? I, I think we have this whole thing. And when we're looking, you know, we're talking about people of color, we're talking about, you know, English language learners, the idea of being an English language learner is actually, that's just even more deficit talk. And the reason why it's deficit talk is because there, there's a general perception Imagine having to develop a department, an ELL department, because kids come into our schools feeling like they're, they can't fit in, even though their ability to learn two languages just like that and flip out is larger than any talent. It's just harder. It's harder than I could teach somebody to shoot a free throw and shoot over 80% for the rest of their lives. But to get someone to come from another country, uproot their culture, leave it at the door, leave it at customs, and come in and learn another language and compete for jobs with the experts who learn the language, who dominate the, who dominate that particular area. It's amazing. And I'll say this before I pass it back to you. When it comes to our kids doing well, white kids, black kids, but particularly the, the, mar the more marginalized, underrepresented students, the black kids, the, the brown kids, you know, the, the L's, the special ed students, right? And particularly those kids, man, we just have to always develop and have a consciousness for, for the thing, for, for how rich they make the learning experience. Those students doing well will never, ever put the establishment in a deficit. There's historically, just like you can't find another chemistry teacher, AP chemistry teacher in the country, you can't tell me one time the failure, I mean, the, 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 the performance 
the, ex, the elevation, the excellence of those particular subgroups. You cannot tell me a time when they have adversely, their performance, they're doing well. You can't tell me a time where they've done well and it hasn't, and, is, and it has negatively affected this country or white supremacy. Never. Never. So my beef is always like, what are people fighting for? Let's get, help these kids get out of this educational debt and let's increase and enhance and enrich their, their confidence. So, you know, one of the things that you just said, you know, had me thinking about, I told you before how we interviewed um, some of our international students who are in our program. And when I asked them the question about, or uh, about, about talking about how they feel like many of the programs that exist in the district ain't, aren't for them, right? They're not for them, right? If there's a program um, that is gonna compensate them in some way, right? Pay them, give them some type of thing, it's for somebody else, it ain't for us. And, you know, we, <laughs> I'm putting a video right now. I feel bad because I'm going to have to cut so much of it out because they're talking about so much of what they're just being underserved. That's basically what, what, their, what their comment is, right? The comment is just so much of them talking about how education has made them feel like the other, made them not feel like they could do certain things. I have a student who introduced herself. We've been doing introductions putting introduction slides together and they've been talking about what they want and you know her dream is to go to an ivy league school and she worries about the fact that she won't be able to get to that high place of course not every student can get there but the fact that she has a dream in that way i think you have a responsibility to do that and then the second thing that i think about you know, I feel like we can have an entire episode talking about equity because equity is a really interesting lane to think about, especially when it comes to education, because I think the big crux of it is how people view it. And, you know, I was talking with my father before and he said, you know, one of the really interesting differences, the fact that equity for a lot of individuals who are white thinks that everybody should be treated the same. And if you talk to individuals who are non-white, what they think of is what we need to do is put policy in place to get a world that is where everybody is treated the same. And those may seem very similar sentences, but those differences happen to be so expansive to the way we see the problem. It's too late to treat us the same, bro. Well, right. And so, <laughs> and, and, and what my father was talking about is how, like, this is where individuals get tripped up and they go like, I'm not a racist person. But my father would say like, that is a very racist idea that you treat everybody the same. It's rooted in a certain way. And so when we think about equity, like I said, there's these two tracks. Like I said, we could talk more on a, uh, a, a, a different time, but that to me is one of the interesting things with education, since it is so predominantly white dominated and those two dichotomies that are, that are there, 
two individuals who are seeing similarly, but their view of equity is different. And I think that's an important thing. An example of that is, you know, I, I, I'm kind of I'm toiling with this right now, where there are some individuals who they hear us talk about caring about the student's experience and they, they, they take that in in a really amazing way. I appreciate them. They, they listen, they try to do something. And right now, one of the classes that they gave me is this watered down, like, like not even real chemistry. It's just mentioning some of the things and not teaching them what I would say real chemistry is. But the thing that they tell me about it is that the people who take this class, though, they love they love their experience. They love it's not as depth. It doesn't have the depth of other classes. It's not real chemistry. That's why I would say it's not real chemistry, but they enjoy it. And in my opinion, and this is the reason why, since I'm you know teaching that class, we're definitely going to revamp it. Because that's not right, because it's the lowest level class. And you're telling me, something tells me, just at the structure of, uh, structure of if this school meets other schools, and I'm sure it does, something tells me my class is going to be a lot, as far as demographics go, a lot darker than some of the classes that are higher up. Mm-hmm. And so you're telling me that you want those students to have not as big of a chemistry experience. And instead of finding a way to teach them the same chemistry material, instead you use this idea of, hey, let's teach them a watered down version so that it feels better. I appreciate where that goal is. Like I heard it. Hey, I want them to have a positive experience with chemistry. I want them to have a positive experience with chemistry so they can say, hey, I took chemistry in high school. But did you really take chemistry? But the thing is, what they are missing is the fact, and this is the reason why we're going to revamp it. Some of them are going to be like, yo, we're not doing that in Mr. Douglas's class, you know, but you have made it so that their standards are lower. And what you're really saying, and what I don't think that they're thinking about this is the implications of what that means. By not teaching these, what I would say darker students, a real exposure to chemistry. My question to you is, let's say a student does love your class. When I love a class, guess what I wanna do? I wanna take another class. That's what I want. I love chemistry. You made me love chemistry. I appreciated my experience. I want to take another one. Guess what? Because I didn't teach you the things you need to be taught. Can you take the second class? No, you cannot. No, you cannot. And what I mean, you can now take real chemistry. Yeah, now you can take real chemistry. And what I would tell you is an individual as much as I believe that your goals are good, right? You went to something and you said, hey, I, I hear you. I want to care about the students and, and, and how they feel about a class. But if you don't have the rigor, what I think gets lost sometimes is all you can, 
investing in how someone feels about an experience does not mean that you have to lower the quality of, of that content. Correct. Correct. And Correct. if you don't, the people who created this class that they gave me, right? What you're telling me is that you believe in tracking. Because what is true is none of these kids can take the next chemistry class. Not a single one. If that's not tracking, I don't know what it is. Because I believe in my power to make them at least understand why I love chemistry. And some of them will want to take another class. And in my opinion, when I think about equity, when I think about what that means, when I think about the fact that once again, in this particular class, something tells me more of my students are more on the darker side, they're not going to be able to take AP Chem. They're not going to be able to get there. So you can have all the black AP Chem teachers that you want. If you have a curriculum which makes it so that students at the bottom who happen at the moment to be darker don't have the ability to, to, to learn the content that can you know, springboard them up to chemistry AP, it won't even matter because they can't touch it. Right. So you have to be able to put that in place. And it has to be that a person is thinking globally in that way. Like I said, I appreciate the fact that I imagine whoever created this program said, hey, we want to give them real life applications and, and we want them to really feel positive when they come into the class. But they don't have that global sense of the ramifications of what you're saying. Unless, of course, you're just trying to tell me that darker students just apparently don't like chemistry. There's a, there's a gene that's in there. There's a chromosome that's, that's kicking every time saying, yo, chemistry ain't the one. And, and, and if that's what you're saying, but something tells me that's not what you're saying. Right. And I mean, if you look at the stigma of how chemistry is observed in our community, yeah. that didn't come from us. <laughs> right. It, 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 they come from us. Like, you know, kids in the, kids in the city loves it, love, they love history regardless of if the history is conducive to the truth or not, right? They love history because some way throughout their day, they'll be able to remind, they'll be able to recall something that's connected to history. But yeah, you know, that's what poverty does, right? Right. But if you're, if we, if we, if we are constantly, if there's messages, right? If we could afford to talk chemistry into into our neighborhood to talk about chemistry and to infuse some of the principles, right? You better believe the kids will treat it the same way they treat history. Right. And, you know, the big thing has to do with, you know, I always ask myself, how do you build a coalition? Right. And what I always say is the way you build a coalition has nothing to do with content. It always has to do with the way that you support someone. Yep. You know, and because if I believe that you support me, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to tell somebody else. <laughs> right. I'm going to tell somebody else. And because something tells me that, you know, there's somebody out there who's not getting it. And they're going to come and bring that person to me. It happens all the time. I have so many students who come from other teachers and they do that. I think about this particular program and how we have, like I said, some students who are normally what I feel based off of their, uh, what they say to me is they feel excluded in a lot of ways. And, you know, they're part of our program. And they come and go like, you know what? I wish there was more people 
in this program. I wish that we had more opportunities. I wish we had more things. And I go like, man, just imagine if you started with the, with the, with the student like that. Just imagine if you had a program right. where a person led it. And then I said, you know what, man, I'm going to be in your school next year. And you just come and see me. You just come and see me if you ever have a problem. If you ever have a problem, you just come and see me. And you already know that we have a financial literacy program. We have all these touchstone programs because I don't know how many times students have asked me as we're going through this program, they go like, man, what else do you teach? What right. else do you do? Right. Like, you got a financial, right. man, I've been- and, I, and I'm not a teacher. So what I get is like, Mr. McCarthy, what don't you do? You know? <laughs> you know? What and, don't you do? And like, there's so many of them who, who came up, I was like, no, you- we have our financial literacy program that, that we're trying to pop off. And I was like, hey, just carve your Saturdays out. And they were like, what time, 9 to 12? I was like, 9 to 12 is happening. We're going we gonna to kick it off. Um, and they're so, because when you provide somebody more than your content, right? Forget about chemistry. Forget about what you teach, math, science, English. When you give a student a feeling that you are providing more, right? Food I'm giving them, whatever you need, items, right? Somebody tells you they need something. I'm not saying that you have to give it to them, but God, just imagine if you gave it to them. Right, right. They come to you like, hey, you know, if I, I need help, can you do this for me too? And if you can, they just keep coming back. Right, and, but, or I trust you to point me in the right direction. Yeah, I, 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 have, I, have, I have faith in the fact and this is the reason why I want to push individuals to put culture in your class to instead, I have a teacher who she's given a quiz, a math quiz on the first day. And I go like, what are you saying to students when you go straight into the content? Well, you, you also say nothing about yourself. Well, right. <laughs> you're going to be 180 days with somebody. You can't, and they don't even know if your favorite, what your favorite color is, is a joke. You know, why you have to do that is because what I need is I need you to believe in the fact that I care about you. And what I would say to the superintendent, to anyone else, and the reason why I appreciate people who are putting on this podcast is the idea that they are hyper focused on, you know what I want? I want to create as many programs as anyone would allow. Because if I see that somebody is doing something, right? I'm, one of the things that someone told me one time is, man, you hear every day, not just some of the time, you know how some teachers they put out, and I don't want to hate on people who are the only there for Tuesday and Thursday or whatever, because I think that people should have their own life, plus people have families, and I get it. And I'm advantaged because I don't have those things holding me down. Um, or, excuse me, y'all know what I'm saying. But students, they believe in the fact that Hey, he's here all the time. If you hit him with something, he'll always hit you back. Just giving somebody, it goes back to the same idea that I learned growing up. It's the fact the best thing you can offer someone is not money or anything else. The best thing you can offer anyone is consideration. Yes. Consider That's consideration and thanks. Simple. And, and because, and I always say it goes a lot further than a dollar ever could because you would never touch the same dollar twice. And so, you know, going back to, you know, what you asked before, how can we continue this into the, into the fall? I would say it takes two things. One, 
it takes a group of people who are willing to just go, you know what we're going to do? We're just going to brainstorm and think of some stuff. That's what we're going to do. We're going to put all the culture on the table, figure out what those touchstones are, and let's actually put some programming in place. Mm-hmm. Right? You got Black History Month? Man, we're going we gonna to turn out and have something every day. Mm-hmm. Right? And we did that last year. Right? We have Hispanic Heritage Month. I was doing stuff every day in my class. I, I just want to put it out there. It's coming up soon. Put some stuff on it. Because it matters and because it's important and those cultural things are important. So I would say your mindset has to be there to go like, you know what, we're just going to put this. We're going to flood the zone with as many ideas, even stupid ideas. I'll take stupid ideas all day. And then what you need, in my opinion, and this is where, you know, I don't know how you do this with faculty. I don't know how you generate this. But. What I need you as faculty is I need you to come in and I need you to think about what you are offering these students in a human level and continue to do that. Like I just go like, man, these students are coming in. What are you going to do if a student comes to you and said they need something? You should be able to either help that person yourself or have a mindset that says, you know what, I'm going to call somebody, right? I got a, I got an equity chief officer. Well, he, he keeps saying this title. I don't even know, but equity something. I'm going to call him up and go like, yo, I have a student. Everybody else is getting paid, but this student, we got to put something together because nobody gets left behind. Every person has to be included. We got to put something together. And I wish we could talk. I wish we could talk about that. I would. And that, that was one of the, that, that is one of the, the, the realest things that you could ever be a part of as an educator. Yep. You know, because like, all, no, it, it's a wasted, the no child left behind term is a wasted term. It was wasted on, on empty, on, on empty feelings, empty suits empty ideology, empty frameworks. Yep. But the opinion, but what we were able to accomplish was is definitely the epitome of not leaving anyone behind. Yeah, as, we the- clo- as we close, um, I want I want to ask you two things. Um, one was the highlight of your summer, where there's a moment, where there's a thing. Um, and two, give you shout outs. Sure. You know, the highlight of my summer, you know, our program is nine weeks. First of all, shout out to, um, gosh, those students, man. Like you're talking about a grueling year of COVID-19. I have students who are part of our program whose family was just ravaged by COVID. I'm talking about, I'm not talking about the person was sick. I mean, they lost real human beings and their families. In my opinion, those students needed a break more than anything. But the thing that makes these students super amazing, right? In my opinion, I would tell you what makes them heroic is the fact that they said that July, July 9th, what I want is I want to come in for nine straight weeks. Just imagine that. Nine weeks from July 9th all the way to August 27th, literally the Friday before school starts again for them on Monday 
I'm going to come in Monday through Thursday. I'm going to give up my time because I believe in the community. I believe in, you know, I want to have, you know, I, I appreciate all the individuals who allowed for in-person to happen for them because they came in and they said, you know what? I want that. And in my opinion, you know, our, our group is my favorite thing to be able to see a group of students come together and get to know each other. I wish people could see the group that we have because I feel like there are a lot of different types of people, different personalities, people who are very outspoken, people who are very reserved. But I feel like every person in our group has been able to really get to know each other in a really strong way. And I just continue to go, you know what I, what I, the best feeling I have is I hope that somebody can take that and go like, you know what, that's a really positive thing. We're going to not only continue that, but we're going to create some more opportunities, some more environments where we can put more people together and, and, and go like, once again, how do you build a coalition? It's real simple. Just put a program together that's successful and they'll tell the people and then you start more programs that way. And so my shout outs, um, for my students, you know, God for them. Like I, I truly, truly um, want to give them a shout out. Um, TSN um, for just making everything possible, giving kids the resources, the laptops. Um, you can't ever, 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 ever underestimate just the fact that somebody is providing this for me. That is a huge benefit to say that, hey, they gave us everything to make and, and, and the EPS for paying the students. Yeah, right. And that's another thing is right. I, I uh, you know, we still got to get some billing stuff happening, just putting that out there. Um, <laughs> but I appreciate being able to go, you know what? There's a group of students who are doing this for nine weeks. We're going to not only give them an opportunity, but compensate them on the, on, on the other end too. And having an open mind to be able to compensate them in a just way. Right. And, 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 and all internships, I believe, should be paid. Yeah, I think everybody should, in my opinion, if you give your time, you should get money. That's what I think. Time is money. Somebody should make that a real equation. Right. That should be a real law. And in my opinion, there's a lot of students out there who want to be in programs like this, who want to have an opportunity there are some people who they will tell you to the death of them that they in this program only for the money. But the one interesting thing about them, uh, there's one specific student that comes to mind. She will tell you that that's the only reason why she does anything. However, does it better than anybody else. She has pages and pages of, of sketches, pages and pages, all this stuff. She don't know how extra she is doing way more than anybody else. And that is what I want. She thinks she's doing it just for the money, but she's getting a lot more out of it. Um, shout out to uh, Milton Irving, Nona Cheeks, um, uh, Shana Holloway. She's the one who leads Boston, the Boston version of this. Um, uh, Dalen, uh, Ahmed, uh, Alessandra Brown, uh, Corey McCarthy. He's right here, but Corey McCarthy um, putting it in. Maureen Sullivan. We got two paychecks the students still need, <laughs> but Maureen Sullivan has been just 
pushing through all of the stuff for the students. And I want to give them a big shout out superintendent for signing off on it. Uh, superintendent for signing off on the future things that we want to bring. Um, truly, I think at least the leadership at the top of the Everett um, school district, I am very, uh, very inspired. And even though I won't be teaching there as you know, as Corey McCarthy knows, as anybody else, I would love to be able to help and, and bring more of that kind of experience to both ever and education. You know, it's not, it's not over brother. Um, you know, my, the highlight of my summer, you know, we had all these programs so it's really two things, right? We had all these programs and they were all rich, they were all real. And they all served so many kids. And all the programs that people are like, why do you have so many programs? And I, my response, this is somebody from another district, my response is I just wanna change one kid's life. Just one kid. We had 11 programs, but my goal was to change one kid's life. And that's a low bar, but what that one kid could do for thousands of others, it's, it's amazing. That's the beauty of our community. You know, the problem with our community right now is that we don't, we don't focus on, on shared knowledge. But for the, the problem, and what ended up happening is there's so many kids <laughs> you know that just that energy just became transferable to so many other kids that's the first highlight the second highlight is the amount of reading literacy I fell in love with literacy when I first started reading one of the 13 books I read this summer it was a 140 page book it felt like a thousand pounds I lifted all the books that I read this summer as I was cleaning my dining room table it felt feather I felt like a feather I cannot believe the liberation the the growth the elevation the self-discipline I was able to acquire simply by reading poems by reading editorials by reading fiction non-fiction autobios and when you read and you just invest in literacy, you just enjoy watching other people read. It's crazy. It's crazy. It was, it, it just became so great. I went on vacation just to read, just to read. Outstanding. The, my shout outs, man, my son, man. My <laughs> yeah. son, man. My, my son, man, like, if you ever hear this, if something happens to me tomorrow, dude, I'm so proud of you, dude. You dropped him off last week, right? Yesterday. <laughs> and I, I, you know, parents don't got to be together. His mom and I, we're not together. But, geez, what a, what a joint parenting job we were able to do. If my son does nothing else, he would have he he already exceeded anything. I've expected of myself. That guy, that kid, what he has done for me, 
I'll never be able to pay him back. No matter how much money I spend, no matter he, he, if he starts screwing up, cool, because I'll still be there. And But what he is, he has done more for me than he would ever, that I could ever do for him. And I know every chance I get, I tell him I'm proud of him. I'm hard on him. But shout out to that guy because I watched him just really own his own stuff this this summer. Um, work, work on his body. Um, you know, when I thought he was being lazy, he was just sort of coming into his own. Um, you know, when a, when, a, when a caterpillar is all fuzzy and nasty, nobody wants to touch it. But when it becomes a butterfly, everybody looking to catch it. So um, it's good to, it's, you know, Corlin, shout out to you, brother. Man, you know, I, it really, it really does keep me and, and help me sustain in my education being around folks like you. And it's just, I just know in the 1800s when they were talking about how folks of color, folks who look like us had to fight for our literacy and fight, fight to be, fight to just, just to be intellectuals, just to be scholars and just to embrace scholarship is because we had other folks who, who we gave them what we had. So this give or take relationship we have is great. I could call you anytime and you can call me and what I just know you're just, you know, Wayland's getting a great guy who's going to just get it done. And they, nobody should wonder how you're going to get it done. You're going to get it done. So I, for our listeners, thank you. Um, we have some like a slew of great guests coming up. And um, I hope you guys enjoy the episode nine. We'll catch you guys next week. Yes, indeed, folks.